This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of our Raw Reaction series, our morning show, 8am, Monday to Saturday. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. I'm just going to remove that little bit of glare off the screen. There we go. Lovely stuff. Um, good morning, guys. Uh, I hope you're doing well and all of that goodness uh, in the world this morning for you all. Um, I hope you tuned in last night for what was a fantastic podcast with myself, Andrew from Arsblog, Harry from the Chronicles of Guna, and Sophie from the Highbury Squad. As some people put in the chat box, it was an Avengers-level event, if you like to say. Uh, it was great getting kind of all these different channels together in one place, having a good chat about transfers, about Eddie and Ketia, about Arteta, of course, around kind of the, the criticisms this early on in a transfer window as well, and tackling some of the questions from the chat box. If you haven't already gone and checked out that podcast from last night, make sure you do. It's definitely worth it. It's a really, really good listen. Uh, good morning to Matt in the chat box. To Ife, to Guna0411. Olu, good morning to you. Jose, Akshat, good morning, guys. Tony, Paul, uh, uh, we've got ASUS Mids. We've got Steve. Akshat, thank you for continuing on with your membership. Really appreciate the support on the channel, as always. Namdi, good morning to you. Uh, Bushmui, good morning. D3L, good morning to you, mate. Sean, good morning. Uh, we've got who else in here is uh, scrolling down a little bit more. Get a fix. Good morning to you, mate. Um, says, arise, Tom. The Arsenal massive away eagerly for daily reports and opinions. Good morning, fellow Gunas. That might be one of the best intro messages we've received on the channel but thank you to everybody joining us uh christopher yes it will be released on audio of course um the arsenal way by the way for those messaging me i don't control the arsenal way audio or youtube platform i just present on it so uh i have put a message through about making sure those go out on spotify hopefully they have done now um but i only control this so <laughs> you can criticize me for not putting these up on spotify not quick enough but uh, anywhere else, not my domain. So sorry uh, about that. Um, but let's uh, let's crack on with today's stories. 
We start on with uh, Mike Riley, uh, who is in charge of PGMOL, who's basically the enemy of football uh, most of the time. Uh, He's actually under pressure from Premier League clubs who have said that there is too many mistakes going on in the Premier League. And they would like to see someone else take charge to bring more accountability to the officiating and refereeing in the country. Really good news. Hopefully it changes something, either that Mike Riley finds the pressure and feels that he needs to put more effort into changing the quality of officiating in the country. You're really giving more accountability towards these referees. They need to be held accountable for mistakes. They need to be punished is is not the right word. Um, Held accountable certainly is and face sanctions if they make consistent mistakes. And we need to see more diversity of referees as well. We need to see a greater kind of promotion and relegation system that goes on. It doesn't happen enough. And we need to make sure that it improves. Otherwise, how on earth is there ever going to be the pressure to get the decisions right if we are seeing these consistent mistakes not held accountable? So that's a nice story to wake up to, I'm sure, for many people hearing that Mike Riley is under pressure at PGMOL. Now, Lucas Torreira uh, continues to be linked with clubs outside of Arsenal with this Fiorentina situation rumbling on. Valencia are the last club uh, to suggest that they would be interested. Gennaro Gattuso, of course, who was at the club when they signed for, uh, when they signed Torreira for a very short period of time um, before he moved on. Now going to Valencia, it seems, and looking at Torreira again as a possible option. He's played in Spain, as we know, of Atletico Madrid, so he's got experience there. Perhaps we will see Torreira end up in La Liga again next season. Uh, moving forwards, and Juventus continue to be heavily linked with the move to Gabriel. Uh, I don't think this is a, a deal that would happen unless Arsenal were offered something really silly in terms of a, a transfer fee for him. And even then, it's going to take something ridiculous for them to even accept it. But the ironic thing is that Arsenal's links to Artemelo, the Brazilian midfielder, have not died down. Arsenal are said, according to the Italian media, to still be very interested in Artemelo. And Juve have tried to propose the idea of a player plus cash swap deal. How on earth would they even quantify how Gabriel is worth anything? Cl- like, you know, how Artur is worth anything close to what Gabriel is worth? I don't know. Artur is a player's contract is running down. I think he's worth in the region of 20, if that million pounds, nowhere near what uh, Gabriel would be worth in today's market. So not a story I don't think we need to worry about too much, but certainly one to keep your eyes peeled on as the window progresses, especially in that central midfield position. Now, if you remember a name, Noah Lang, it may be in a name that obviously popped up for you guys in the last six months or so after he was linked ahead of the January window. He came out and claimed that Arsenal were very close to bringing him in on deadline day in January. They pushed to try and sign him, but it just wasn't possible with the amount of time remaining. Arsenal, it seems, were clearly panicked trying to get in a forward towards the end of the window. He, however, came out and said one of the most arrogant comments I've ever seen from a player in which he said, believe me, Belgium will miss me when I'm gone. I gave your football colour. Next season, you will pray that there will be a Noah Lang walking around in Belgium who can also play football so well. With respect, what a complete ass this guy is. <laughs> I don't want him anywhere near Arsenal Football Club. You know, it seems like he might be going to AC Milan from the way that rumours are progressing. I get the guy's talented, but I'll be very real with you, Noah. I hadn't even heard of you beyond six months ago when we were talking about a possible January signing. I barely heard of the guy, you know. <laughs> so all of a sudden he thinks he's big enough to be talking about himself like this. 
you know, I don't think is of a level that we need to worry about this. I genuinely kind of hope his career goes down the toilet at this stage because that's just, wow, <laughs> that's different level. Yeah, uh, Noah taking lessons from Ibra. The difference is, Static, when you're taking lessons from Ibra, is you've got to actually have achieved something. You've got to actually have won ridiculous amounts of trophies or put in significantly good and better performances at the top, top level, which Ibrahimovic has continued to do, you know. This is <laughs> unreal levels of front. Fair play, but what an ass. Anyway, um, Neto, Barcelona goalkeeper, has again been linked every season. This is like uh, up there with the Draxlers of this world. Neto, I don't say it's as close to Draxler because Draxler's a, a player that I would have been open to seeing Arsenal get. But Neto, the Brazilian keeper at Barca, formerly of Juventus, seems to be linked with Arsenal every single summer. And once again, we're seeing links crop up one more time. Um, I don't see why this would happen considering Arsenal, you know, have, have brought in Matt Turner to be the backup. If we were going to bring in a third goalkeeper, it'd be someone even more kind of experienced in the late, mid to late 30s, not Neto. Um, I thought Neto would be moving somewhere to try and get more football. It really wouldn't um, make too much sense, I don't think, for Arsenal to go for someone like him, especially with the wages he's also on at Barcelona. It really does not um, make me feel like this is a deal that would happen. But another link that we have to talk about because it cropped up. Now, last night, and a massive congratulations to Ukraine on uh, getting through to the final qualifying uh, match for the World Cup after beating Scotland 3-1. Aaron Hickey and Alexander Sinchenko both played in the game. Sinchenko really did stand out, I have to say. Uh, I've looked back at the, you know a lot of the clips now from last night whilst I was creating the show this morning. Um, really stood out, really exciting stuff if Arsenal can get someone who can play that well in so many different positions. And Aaron Hickey is also, I thought, considering all the context, the fact that he's 19 years of age, was playing on the right wing-back position, I also thought he did really, really well. Yes, there was some errors in his game in terms of defensively, not surprisingly so, but actually I thought really held his own during a game playing on a weak side for him. And uh, as I say, at 19 years of age, in a big, big game, did really, really well. But Zinchenko was certainly the one that stood out. If it's going to be anyone, Zinchenko would, I think, be an absolutely really shrewd, savvy bit of business for Arsenal. And Man City are supposedly very open to the idea of this. However, Gazzetta della Sport in Italy have said that Arsenal remain close. And using the word close to signing Aaron Hickey still. Now, this is still yet to be kind of confirmed by English sources. We have confirmed that there is a genuine interest from Arsenal from the English media side of things, but we haven't confirmed how close it is. A number of reports such as Charles Watts and David Ornston have said it's not as close as what Italian media continue to suggest. But a report yesterday from Gazetta said that Arsenal are close to securing a deal for Hickey. I imagine if we sign Hickey and Zinchenko, it will be very much looked at that Zinchenko would be a player that's going to be more of a midfield presence for Arsenal next season more so than he would be uh, a defender. But uh, yeah, Matt, you're right. Zinchenko is a get him now, referencing our tier list videos. Absolutely would agree with you there. Let's move on to our headline story of the day. And that is that this seems to be the biggest indication that Gabriel Jesus is, quote, 
close to signing for Arsenal. Brazilian journalist Rodrigo Oliveira told Calcio Mercato that many top clubs are on Gabriel Jesus, but the one in pole position is Arsenal. The player wants to leave Man City. Jesus is very close to signing with the Gunners. He is very suited to English football and wants to stay in England, and Arsenal want to make a good offer. So Arsenal will probably take on Gabriel Jesus, who lost space with the Brazil national side in recent months. Many players have overtaken him in the hierarchy, which is why he wants to stay in England. At the same time, Arsenal are ready to make a great offer, perhaps even 50 to 60 million euros on our in-pole position. Um, so there you go. Uh, the very close uh, <laughs> tagline is now being attached to Gabriel Jesus. Uh, obviously, he's a player that you know I very much like and want to see at Arsenal next season. I think it's a very good bit of business for Arsenal to go and do. I'd like to see us still go out and bring in a really good wide forward for next season. Um, but yeah, Gabriel Jesus is is dominating. And as Knuckles in the chat box says, Daily Jesus is basically what our shows have become now because there seems to be an update every single day. But hopefully this is one that will be getting closer. But I don't expect any real movement to happen until he returns from his duties with the Brazilian national side. But let's see what happens. That completes all of today's stories, which means we're going to jump into the chat box now and answer some of your questions after this short break. All right, then. I don't know why it does that. Every single time, you probably see me sitting staring at the screen, but it's because that intro video just lingers in StreamYard, and I don't know why it does it. Anyway, you can see me now, and I can see you, most importantly, so we can crack on with your questions from the chat box. Uh, Peeny Ween, good to see you back in the chat, my friend. It's been a while. I'm sure the chat the chat box has even been asking, where has Peeny Ween been? But now we have seen that he is indeed with us now, uh, asking if we get Zinchenko, is it also a smart PR move with all that's going on in the world? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I, I wouldn't be necessarily looking at to, to associate that side of it with it. I think we would be signing him because he's a fantastic talent and player and a really versatile one at that. I wouldn't give any kind of um, weight towards that side of the argument at all. I think it was purely because of how good he is rated by Arteta and the club. Um, Toby says, uh, you said yesterday you would like to see around seven signings in the transfer window. Is that realistic? Is it realistic? It's a good question because in my mind, it should be realistic. It should be realistic that Arsenal can go out, move on the players they need to move on, sign a goalkeeper, sign a left back or a right back or the versatile option, sign two centre mids, sign two forwards. And one of them could be a renewal of Nketiah. I don't mind that being the case if we sign Jesus and a significantly good wide forward on top of that. Do all of those things. And I think that's a realistic window. You know, I don't think it's unrealistic for me to say buy Turner, buy Hickey, buy Zinchenko, buy Tielemans, buy Gnabry or Gakpo as the wide forward, renew Nketia, sign Jesus. I don't think that is unrealistic as a window. I would have said maybe two years ago, the idea of Arsenal signing seven players or re-signing a player and adding six more to the team. But we signed six players last summer. I don't think there's anything wrong with suggesting that. You know, Turner's like, what, 5 million quid? Hickey's going to be 20 million quid. Zinchenko, you think it'd be 20 to 25 million quid? Tielemans, 25 million pounds. Again, that's already you're up to 80 million just off the back of one, two, three, four signings. That's 80 million. You've got, what, 70 million still left over? Jesus is going to cost you, what, 40 million? Takes you down to 30. You can get Gakpo for 30 million. And then you're, well, 30 to 35. And then you're renewing Nketiah. 
And I know I hate doing these lists where you speculate over prices, but that does seem realistic to me. I don't know why it wouldn't be realistic. Um, <laughs> Abby says, that's not a short break. That's a micro break. Yeah, well, hopefully when we finally get the new uh, intro, um, it will be a little bit longer <laughs> and give me time to have an actual drink. By the way, speaking of which, I am still undecided about working with uh, a graphic designer. And I've had a lot of people reach out to me uh, and I probably should have made it clearer um, when I said this. But if you are into graphic design and video animation, the video animation part is key because we're looking for someone to create, you know, like the moving pieces, which you can kind of see around the edge of your screen. Now, if you know anyone that you think would be really good, that is worth, you know, you know worth the time, worth the money, because I would be investing. It is a freelance opportunity. Um, then send me a message on the Guna Talk uh, on Instagram or at the Guna Talk TV on Twitter. Get in touch. Um, Javid says, morning from Texas. Over 620 views. There's crazy. So many of you in the chat box. Make sure you're dropping a like on the video as well. Uh, Bra said, this is another Vlaovic situation. We don't know yet. Um, it's a very, very different transfer window to January. So I wouldn't go as far as saying that. Uh, Wes says, rumors are that we've got a limited budget due to us not making the Champions League football. Yeah, we probably do. Um, but did you ever think that the hierarchy realistic thought we would make top four? No, I don't think so. I think they would have had a plan ready in place if we'd have made the Champions League and they would have gone for different players. But with the Europa League, I think they would have gone back to the original plan that they were thinking was going to happen. Um, and we'll, it will be restricted. It will de- I mean, there's nothing There's nothing crazy. There's nothing exclusive. There's nothing groundbreaking about suggesting that the window is going to have a restricted window because we have Europa League football. That is guaranteed. But last season, without any European football, you know, we spent 150-odd million quid. So there is no reason why we can't. And we should be looking to uh, sell some players this window. You know, Torreira's going. Genduzzi's going. Mavropanos has gone. Pepe should go, Nelson could go, Maitland-Niles could go, Bellerin could go, Leno could go. There's loads of players that could move. Pablo Marie could still go. I'm sure I'm forgetting players as well. You know, we could probably move on a significant number um, and that should help us to, to bring in uh, significantly more than maybe we were even capable of doing last season. So let's wait and see. Stephen says, Tom, have you ever thought that Jesus could be the wide forward? Yes, I have. Um, and then we go for like a Skamaka or an Ozzyman or a Tammy, as you say. Yeah, I have thought that. That is a possibility. The reason why I don't think it's... Whilst it's a possibility, whilst it may not be the reality, is because he specifically talks about wanting to play more regularly as a number nine. So with that in mind, it might be that that is the case. However, yes, you're right, because he can play in that wide position. It might be that, you know, that we see him play as that wide player for us next year a lot more than maybe we were expecting him to. Akil says, why won't Cedric leave? Because the club are very happy with Cedric right now. The club are happy with what he's brought to the team. They don't expect him to be playing these continual consistent lengths of games because of Tommy Asu's fitness. And if we signed a right back, which we kind of would in Hickey in a way who can cover that position also, but also the fact that you've got Brooke Norton Cuffey coming through. Um, uh, and that's that's kind of it. Paul says, I heard there's a Man City player we aren't interested in. Is this true? <laughs> yeah, loads of them. But I get the joke. Aya says, rate this out of 10 if we were to get these players. Jesus, Gnabry, Tillemans, Hickey, Marquinhos, Decore, Saliba and Brooke Norton Cuffey integrate to the team. So with that, you've got, uh, I mean, you haven't mentioned Enketia, but I assume that you would say we're renewing Enketia. 
So Nketiah is renewed. We bring in Jesus and Gnabry. That's the three forwards that I've asked for. Tielemans is just one central midfielder plus Decore. That's two. Hickey is the wide for is the uh, versatile fullback. Marquinhos is an extra bonus signing. Saliba and Brooknot and Cuffy come into the team. You add Turner to that as well because we've signed him. I'd give that a solid nine out of ten in terms of a window. I think that's a really really solid nine to nine point five window. To be honest, I have a very good one indeed. Uh, Christopher says, Tom, two questions. Would you prefer Gnabry or Nkunku? Uh, also, Fabrizio Romano said Zoboslai could be off the rail, Sociedad. Uh, I thought he denied the fact he was off the rail, Sociedad. Um, I, there, I know there was a report from Spain saying that he was, but it doesn't seem that's the case. Uh, look, at the end of the day with Dominic, he's a player that didn't get the opportunities or get played in the right way at Leipzig last season. If you can go to Sociedad and hit the ground running, like we've seen with players there, like Oyatha Bao, like um, Mikael Moreno, uh, even David Silva's had a, a decent stint since going. So if you can see, if you can get good game time for Sociedad, you know, you can get good. Uh, not that he doesn't need to get good, he already is, but, you know, it could be a smart move for him. Uh, I wouldn't sign him now because I just don't think he fits into what we're doing. Um, even though I'd love him as just a trophy kind of signing. But uh, but no, uh, Nkunku would be great. Um, but I'd love a Gnabry to come back. But Nkunku, either of the two, is is an excellent bit of business. Nkunku, annoyingly, might end up at Man United. I hope he doesn't. But annoyingly, he might do. Um, Kubat says, do you think that bringing in Zinchenko will limit Lukonga's playing time? Maybe. Maybe. I'm not going to say that it's not going to limit his playing time, but it might do. Navarro says, Tom, we are literally getting scammed if we pay $40 million for Jesus. He's got a year left, and he'll be going down the city pecking order with Julian and Haaland. Um, I don't think so, Navarro. I think we'd be getting a very, very good player if we paid $40 million for him, to be honest. I think that's uh, less than what he's actually worth i think if he was you know had two or three years left they'd be asking for upwards of 50 to 60 million to sign gabriel jesus premier league proven scoring in countless massive games against real madrid liverpool chelsea you know he scores against the biggest of teams um and so i i, I think 40 million whilst you may look out for a year left on his deal is unfair when you got six teams as we're made led to be aware that are chasing him I don't think it's surprising at all that they're able to ask that much. It's not like us with, you know, players that have got a year left that are rarely getting the interest from teams. You know, this is a player that's got Premier League experience, winning the Premier League, scoring regularly in the Premier League, creating plenty of goals in the Premier League, scoring against the biggest teams in the biggest games. You know, I don't think it's a scam by any shadow of a doubt. Um, Orly says, Tom, is speed overrated in front? Absolutely. Um, it's not a system that we play to. It often helps on the counter-attack. I wouldn't say I'd like a no pace in the options in our forward line. I'd want a little bit because it gives us an option. But we don't play a system that, you know, lends itself to leaning on pace. This isn't FIFA. <laughs> you know, we create plenty of opportunities with cutbacks, with crosses, with little intricate bits of play outside the box and good finishing. That's what we need. Ultimately, we need a player that can finish. We need a player that can hold the ball up and create. And Jesus can do those things. He needs to improve his finishing and become more consistent. But with more game time, I think, in the middle, I think he could absolutely achieve that. Um, Vlad says, I know lots of fans dream about Gnabry, but I honestly, I'll be very honest with you, Vlad. I would be shocked beyond measure if Gnabry turned up at Arsenal this summer. I would be utterly and entirely shocked if it happened. I, whilst the idea of it is so fanciful and romantic, I get it. But realistically, is he going to want to drop to the Europa League 
if there's a team like Real Madrid interested, which at the moment it's said, according to Demarcio, that they're not. But that could change. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But it's, I think it's fanciful, the idea that we would get Gnabry. I think Gakpo is a lot more realistic, and I would absolutely take a Gakpo in the summer. Um, I agree with you. FIFA does suck. So I gave it up two years ago. Um, Samuel says, do you envisage Newcastle spending power hampering Arsenal's options in the market in a few years time? Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to another club that's going to spend big, 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 big money is obviously going to have an impact on what Arsenal are capable of doing. It might not immediately because they won't necessarily be able to get the targets that they want to get because they don't have Champions League football. But they're already being linked with some big players. They've already signed some big players. You know, Ekatike is a really interesting signing if they get him done. I know they're looking at Sven Botman as well, another really exciting young defender. So they might be able to get some great players in and we need to be prepared for that as well. Uh, Axel says, what would be the max you'd be willing to spend? I honestly don't know. I don't know until it happens. It's really hard to quantify what I'd be willing to go up to because I don't know all of the details about what Arsenal have got to spend. If you told me that Arsenal have only got 120 odd million quid to spend this window, that would change my view on how much I would go on Gabriel Jesus. But because I don't know what our budget is, it's very difficult to me to say I'd stop at this figure specifically. I hope that makes sense. But it's just really hard to turn around and say, I'd stop at this figure because I'd need to know what we want to do and, you know, the prices of our other targets and how much we've got to spend. It's it's almost impossible. Um, Samuel says, do you envisage... Oh, sorry, I've done that one. Uh, let's go to Karim, who says, Tom, if seven-plus players could leave, shouldn't we be aiming to sign seven-plus players? Arteta has mentioned many times that you need two solid uh, 11s to be successful. Um, arguably... And I mean, I've said I want seven players. So yeah, I've aimed for seven players. That's that's my number six or seven for the summer, including Turner. Because uh, that, that covers the Leno departure. You think if Maitland-Niles is going um, and you're bringing in two centre mids, great. Uh, if you Bellerin's moving on, Torreira's moving on, Genduzi's moving on. You're bringing in Hickey to cover the fullback area. You're bringing in Zinchenko and Tielemans to improve and cover the midfield area. You've lost Bamiang, You've lost Lacazette. You're, you're renewing in Ketia, you're bringing in, you're losing Pepe and therefore you're bringing in a striker and a wide forward on top of that. You know, I think all of that covers those positions. So, and I think it makes it good enough. You know, we've got Europa League next season. I think that's going to be in Ketia's competition, obviously. We know that. Uh, other than the maybe the big games, if we've got a big group stage game. But going into knockouts, of course, it then bleds, bleeds into the first team, as you'd expect. I, I think there's opportunities for us this summer to have a great window. We just got to follow through on it. We've been told that there's a plan it's now about making sure that we, what's the word, execute that plan. That's what we want to see. Uh, the Dapper Mo says, why are some people balking at Nketiah's 100 Because it's a lot of money. Um, <laughs> I get your point. He's essentially a free signing as he no longer belongs to Arsenal. I get what you're saying. I understand why people are balking at it. I think Harry made a really good point on our show last night saying that, you know, Premier League strikers that are scoring five and eight, you know, you're going to find it difficult to, to get a striker signed to a team that's scoring at that kind of rate for less than 100k a week. But it's because it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of money still to quantify, especially when we thought Nketiah was going to go, especially when we've not necessarily seen Nketiah over a consistent period of time getting starts bar these last nine games. And 
it's, it's, a, it's a risk. It's, it is absolutely a risk. What I would say is, you know, it's a third of what we paid a Bamiang. It's basically half of what we paid Lacazette. And we don't know how much of that 100K is, is a base wage. You know, it could be that 50% of that is bonuses, goal bonuses, appearance bonuses, incorporated signing on fee. We don't know. We don't know the details uh, of that of that wage at all. So without knowing that, it's very hard to to really have a a finite opinion on on how much we're paying him. Uh, Vishal says, Tom, how important is it to get our business done early? Very important. Uh, we have a lot of business to do, and we will have a lot of competition. We also need to get them integrated into the squad. Yeah, look, I've I wrote a piece the other day saying about how. If you remember back to the Emirates Cup in 2014 when we signed Alexis Sanchez and if the feeling around the stadium when he came on the pitch against Benfica in the same game that Yaya Sanogo scored four goals. Um, that feeling, you know, that's what I want to see on a bigger scale with multiple signings. I want to see us go into the game against Sevilla in the Emirates Cup and highlighting and showcasing the talent that we've brought in this summer. That needs to be the target. I'd like to see them come in well before that, of course, so they can get integrated and play in preseason, maybe go off to the uh, the American tour and play in those games. I'd love to see that happen. How feasible that is, I don't know. It depends on the timeline of certain transfers, but we have to target the Emirates Cup game to have the majority, if not nearly all of our business done by that game, because that'll be the week before the season starts. So we need to make sure that they're done as early as possible. I'd say, look, when we're getting into July, and if we've not signed our primary targets, then I'll get concerned. I'll be concerned in July if we've not signed our primary targets yet. Because that's, you know, pre-season's coming around fast. The international break ends in mid-June. Uh, the Premier League fixtures come out, I think, on the 14th or the 16th of June. Um, so obviously we'll be covering that on the channel, but we just need to get stuff done as quickly as possible and get them integrated. That's what we didn't do last summer. And we effectively, um, limited our season to 35 games. I was speaking to Guy Clark, our, um, good colleague of mine at football.london and, and with the Liverpool Echo and Blood Reds. And he was saying about how effectively we limited our season to 35 games because we just chucked the first three. We didn't have the team, the squad available because we didn't make the signings early enough. And we had a 35-game season. We cost ourselves nine points and we only need three and we would have been in the Champions League. So we need to make sure that we don't make that mistake again this season. Thank you, everyone, that's tuning in. We're going to answer a fair few more of your questions. I'm off work today, which is a nice Thursday treat. So it means we're going to stick around for a little bit longer and answer some more of your questions. If you haven't done so already, though, please make sure that you drop a like on today's show. It really does help me out. It helps the channel out massively and spreads the word even more. It'd be great to see partway through the window if we're getting over a 1,000 of you tuning in. There's nearly 900 of you already. Thank you for tuning in. Just make sure you drop the like on the video because it really does help us out. Uh, Meditation and Relaxation Music Club asks, great name, uh, what happens to Austin Trusty? Basically, Austin Trusty was signed from the Colorado Rapids in January. He was then loaned back to the Colorado Rapids. He will return to Arsenal this summer, and the expectation is that he will go out on loan. I will be very surprised if he ever plays a senior competitive game for Arsenal. Ever. I'll be very surprised. For me, this is a very classic style move where a player uses the European or the clubs use the European club to be a pathway through to European football for the for the player. You know, it's just part and parcel. Sometimes this happens, and I'm kind of expecting that with Austin Trusty. I could be wrong, but it's the feeling that I've got from speaking to experts out in the MLS and from, you know, what has been expected and also published by the Arsenal website when he was signed. So let's wait and see. 
Um, Constantine says, your thoughts, will Xhaka leave this summer? I doubt it. Akshat says, do you think Elneny was extended as Xhaka might be leaving? No, I don't. Uh, Pav says, every summer window, there are six to seven players who will leave Arsenal, but either they go on loan or they stay. Why can any team just buy, why can't any team just buy our players like now? Also, uh, we can't get kind of the, the Torreira and the Udinese Marie deals done because ultimately Arsenal's selling reputation is awful. Edu's got this challenge now, and I wrote about this again yesterday, that he's got this challenge to try and change the reputation of Arsenal from a sales perspective. To do that, it's very difficult because it means you've got to demand more money and you've got to play hardball with certain teams and certain players. We've done that with, with certain players. We certainly did it with Xhaka and Roma. We're starting to see that we might be doing it with Lucas Torreira as well. Pablo Marie is a difficult one because Udinese's managerial changes have changed that. They don't have 12 to 40 million quid, which is what Arsenal rate Pablo Marie at. It's going to be tricky. And so why we send players out on loan is that the hope is that they go on loan, they play well, and they boost their value. Um, it's better than them just sitting around like Socrates or Mustafi or Kalasinac did or Ozil did. So it's better that they go on loan. We get a loan fee. They boost their value, fingers crossed, and then they're bought at the end of that loan. That's always the hope with players like that, and that's why we do that. But I agree with you, Parv. We need to be better at selling players, and hopefully this summer will prove that. Harry says, will Lino Souza be in the first team anytime soon? I'd be surprised. You may see him in the senior setup for the, the uh, for the trip to America, the preseason trip. That'd be great. You know, he's a really exciting young talent. Left back, came in from West Brom in, in January, scored a goal. Uh, in the under-18s debut, and I think he scored on his under-23s debut maybe as well. So he's an exciting young player, one to keep an eye on, only 17, nearly 18 years of age. So uh, an exciting talent for sure. Uh, Keenan says, if we secure Champions League football, it will be much easier to, one, land big land, uh, big signings, two, negotiate prices down for players on one year, and three, demand higher fees for our outgoing players. Absolutely. Uh, SKCD says, I think Jesus is a £40 million player, even if he had five years on his contract. I don't believe he's worth it to pay more than that, but I'm okay with us paying that fee. Fair enough, I disagree. I think he's worth more than that if he was on a long-term contract, but uh, it's all about opinions at the end of the day. Uh, Martin says, Tom, who takes captaincy permanently? <sighs> you know, I've gone back and forth with Tierney and Odegaard because they are the standout options for me. But I almost feel like that we could see a signing come in and take that captaincy. We do lack an out-and-out -out captain candidate. If it wasn't for Xhaka's history, it probably would be him. But we lack an outstanding candidate. I think Tierney and Erdegaard could be. But Erdegaard is... I'd like him to just have the focus on himself and his creativity rather than being the captain. I also think that Tierney's fitness goes against him being the captain. Maybe it's a signing. Maybe it's someone that comes in in the summer. We'll have to wait and see. Um, Rich says, Tom, is there any chance another club can take Eddie or is it basically set in stone? It's gone quite quiet, Rich. You know, it, it, there was a lot of reports last week that, you know, Arsenal were close to agreeing this this contract, but it's not guaranteed yet. You know, if, if it was, we would think of heard by now. It's gone quite quiet. Now, that does often mean sometimes there's often a quiet moment before it then gets announced. But let's see. What we haven't seen is the links to elsewhere. He hasn't been linked with Brighton or West, Bro West Ham, sorry, or um, who's the other team? Um, there's one more team. Why is um, Brighton, West Ham, and there's one other team who's completely escaped my mind. Who was Crystal Palace? There we go. Um, we haven't seen those links reemerge yet. So my expectation is that he will still sign this new deal. 
But uh, yeah, we've not seen it yet. Uh, Ugang says, Tom, it looks a bit arrogant with our management team to learn from mistakes, uh, doing business late, uh, letting players leave on loan when you have a chance for top four, not being able to execute. See, I, I hate this word arrogance. The word arrogance is thrown out a lot incorrectly. There's nothing arrogant about making a mistake. There's there's stubbornness about not learning. Stubborn is the right word. You know, Arteta has been stubborn in the past. It's not arrogance. Arrogance is thinking Arteta's too good for the job. If or that you know he's he can do it with the players that he's got. If he thought that, we wouldn't have gone so hard for Vlaovic. We wouldn't have tried to make signing in January, and ultimately we weren't able to do it. You know, we just made mistakes in terms of timing, in terms of what we were looking at, in terms of the profiles of player that we were targeting and that we couldn't clearly get and we spent too long. It's not arrogance. That's just error-strewn mistakes. That's just mistakes being made. The word arrogance gets thrown out rather loosely. It's actually quite an insulting word to use against a coach that isn't, in my view, arrogant. I think he's very stubborn. You know, I think he's very principled. And I think that that has sometimes caused mistakes. But he's not arrogant, um, not arrogant at all. I don't know where that comes from, but it's yeah. I, I don't, I don't get arrogance from that. Uh, Parv says, "Do you think we should target good heighted, <laughs> tall strikers? Let's say like Ozymen, Skamaka, Tammy, and not Jesus, uh, as we uh, as we see with Laka, um, his aerial jewels aren't good enough. Look, I've talked about this before. I like the idea of having a clone striker. It means you can change system and swap players out without too much chaos." But it would be quite nice to have an option um, that is more of an aerial threat, of course. So I'm not going to turn that opportunity down if it becomes available. Um, yeah, arrogant is Noah Lang. <laughs> yeah, Noah Lang, what he said, that's arrogance. If you want to think, if you want an example of what arrogance is, go look at Noah Lang's comments about his time in Belgium. That's what arrogance is. What Arteta has said or done is not. Uh, Nikki says, we heard from Sanyehi that negotiations happen throughout the season. The window is just the final decisions. Why do you think we're never the club to announce signings at the start of the window? I don't think that's necessarily true, that we're never the team. You think back to Podolsky, Giroud, we did those very, very early on. Uh, even Alexis Sanchez, I think, was done very, very early on as well. Uh, I think we sign players early at times and others, we don't. You know, Willian, you think under Arteta, was was announced very early on during the transfer window in 2020. Um, eventually, it took time, but we got Gabriel through the door as well. Often, there's international tournaments that can interrupt things too. But yeah, we do negotiate throughout the season. We've been negotiating with Gabriel Jesus' representative since November, reportedly. So it just takes time. And, you know, the end of season is always going to be tricky because you don't know where you're going to finish. You don't know what competitions you're going to be in. Then there's the international break, which obviously throws everything up in the air once again. So I don't think it's necessarily that we always do our business late. I just think that there's examples where we have done and then there's other examples that maybe we forget too quickly where we haven't. Let's just wait and see. It's the 2nd of June. As I said, if it gets into July and we've not made our primary signings, I'll start to be worried. But I'm not going to get worried just yet. Daniel says, do you think all the chat about Spurs spending big this summer is true? And if so, doesn't this make our window more important? Look, if they spend big, they spend big. And we've got to react to that. We don't have to react to it. We've, If we're reacting to it, then we're focusing too much on them. We need to focus on ourselves, get our business done, and make sure that we make ourselves as strong as feasibly possible. With Spurs, you know, 
Spurs will be Spurs. Spurs will do what they do. Um, they've got Antonio Conte. They've got a manager there that's not a long-term project guy, um, especially for a place like Spurs. My hope is that he signs experienced, older players that are then left there after the last season of his contract. Um, let's see what happens. But uh, I, I can see with that Perisic deal where this is kind of going, and I'm hoping that I'm right in those assumptions. Uh, Andan says, what about Che Decore or Ibrahim Sangara? I don't know enough about Decore, but I like Sangara. I think he's very, very good. Partey isn't reliable due to injury. And why is everyone bashing after Xhaka? He's good. I agree with you. I think I've rate Xhaka. You know, I think Xhaka gets so much undue criticism. I think we could sh- we should try and upgrade on Xhaka. But I think to do that, you're going to have to bring in a blooming good midfielder. And I mean, I know people leave lists of players, but I often disagree with half of the players that are put in those lists. So... Yeah, it's, it's, it's as simple as that for me. Kazula um, was an early signing. Yeah, he certainly was very early indeed. Akshat says, Tom, one left field, but realistic signing you'd like us to make. One that hasn't been linked to us yet. Nice question. Who is a left field signing that we haven't been linked to that I would like to see Arsenal go for this summer? Um, I'm going to think a position first. So if you think sh- wide forwards... You know, wide forwards, Pedro Gonçalves. Pedro Gonçalves is someone I talk about quite a lot. Sports in Lisbon, versatile, can play second strike, can play centre forward, can play wide forward. Bundles of goals. Exciting young Portuguese talent. Has already got experience of playing in England when he was at Wolves. Um, So Pedro Gonçalves would be my left field's pick that we've not been linked to yet. Uh, I think he would be a great option for us. Uh, Carl says, uh, Gunas, there's a fe- good feature on Sky with Gary Neville and Thierry Rio and Arsenal against Man United clash as well. Worth a watch. Maybe you want to go and check out. Gunnar Jake says, why is no one in for Ward Prowse, including us? Uh, I don't know if there's no one in for him. Aston Villa were interested, but maybe after getting Bibikar Kamara, they might not be anymore. But it's a good question because he is a good player. Um, maybe just other other players are being linked more heavily. Um, <laughs> Oli says, Schick. Schick's gone, mate. Can't have Schick. He's done. Done out here. Um, Wes says, what in your humble uh, but accurate opinion, thanks, mate, <laughs> would like would you like to change at Arsenal to get us back to where we all think our club should be? What would I change at Arsenal? The obvious answer is always going to be the ownership. I'd want an ownership that have, you know, I'd want an ownership that despite, not despite, that's the wrong word. Obviously, you've got to aim to try and get an ownership. First and foremost, in my opinion, that are, not associated with all the controversies that we've, you know, we've come to expect from, you know, owners of football clubs. That's what I'd always look to first. And then an owner that genuinely has a care, has a a passion, has a desire for Arsenal to succeed. I don't have that with Stan Kroenke and I don't think any of us do. There's a part of me that wants to believe Josh Kroenke's words. I want to believe what he says. I want to believe that he wants this team to get back to the, the Invincibles and all of that. But, you know, when I speak to Sophie from the hybrid school in particular, and what she talks about with the Denver Nuggets and the Avalanche and kind of how they're just a bit, they're like cash cows, basically, and the Rams are the jewels in the crown and all of this, you know, it makes me concerned. It makes me worry that we are just one of those cash cows and that that's what we always will be. Um, So I hope that that changes. So if it was to be one change, it would always continue to be the ownership. Um, because I feel like they're the ones to hold the keys. We can talk about managers, we can talk about players, we can talk about technical directors, but ultimately it's always going to be the ownership that hold the keys to the kingdom. 
Um, so it's as Dan Potts says, you know, it's always, always number one target to to point your criticism towards when things aren't going well is the ownership every single time. Uh, Jalavishnu says, uh, I think we should push for uh, Milinkovic Savic. Uh, I agree with you. I've been talking about him quite a lot. I think he's a good player, but I think he would be a lot of money because United are also reportedly after him. Yeah, I would absolutely spend big on someone like him. I think he would add so much quality to Arsenal's midfield. Um, Amira says, I've seen a few people say we don't need to sign competition for Erdegaard because Smithrow can play there, but doesn't Smithrow drift to the left as a 10 and Erdegaard to the right? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that if there is an opportunity to bring someone that can add to uh, to, to Erdegaard, maybe Patino is seen as a player that could do that in the future. I don't think he's necessarily ready yet, but maybe. Maybe that's why they're holding off. And maybe they think that Smith-Rowe can play 10 instead. You know, I know Erdegaard kind of plays this right centre midfield role, but maybe if we don't have Erdegaard, we play Smith-Rowe at 10 instead. And we do something like that. And we have, you know, wide players around him and Jesus up front. Who knows? But maybe that's what we need to do. Uh, I'm going to wrap things up there. Oh, we were so close to a thousand listeners. 965 of you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate the support on the channel always. Please do drop a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Um, I'll be back probably a little bit later on this afternoon uh, for another show and then back, of course, tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. to keep you updated with everything that's happened in the past 24 hours and to continue on this series that will aim to go through the entirety and beyond of the transfer window and, of course, next season as well. I hope you have a fantastic Thursday. Uh, I know I'm going to have one relaxing. Uh, I need it, that's for sure. Um, but enjoy your day, people. Go check out our podcast we did yesterday with Andrew from Ars Blog, Sophie from the Highbury Squad, and Harry from the Chronicles of Aguna. Make sure you go and check that out if you haven't done so already. Other than that, it's been a pleasure. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.